to Matthew 22. And just in case you don't have a Bible, it's always best to follow along. Uh, just raise your hand. We'll bring one to you. And um, if you don't have a Bible, you can keep that one because we need to feed ourselves on God's Word. But look what it says here in Matthew 22, beginning in verse 15. It says, And then the Pharisees went and plotted how they might entangle him in his talk. And they sent to him their disciples with the Herodians, saying, Teacher, we know that you are true and teach the way of God in truth, nor do you care about anyone, for you do not regard the person of men. So tell us, therefore, what do you think? Is it lawful to pay taxes to Caesar or not? But Jesus perceived their wickedness. And he said, why do you test me, you hypocrites? Show me the tax money. And so they brought him a denarius. And he said to them, whose image and inscription is this? And they said to him, Caesar's. And he said to them, render therefore to Caesar the things that are Caesar's. And to God, the things that are God's. When they had heard these words, they marveled and left him and went their way. Here we see the disciples of the Pharisees and the Herodians coming to the Lord Jesus Christ. And you know, on the surface, it looks pretty good. The disciples of the Pharisees and the Herodians, if you read right here, they acknowledge Jesus as the teacher of truth. Uh, They acknowledge Jesus as an individual who doesn't speak to tickle the ears of men. They acknowledge Jesus, they say, as a matter of fact, you are completely fair and impartial. You show no favoritism to anyone. And you look at this, and on the surface, it looks pretty good. Compliments, even a question. Teacher, they say, what do you think? Is it lawful to pay taxes to Caesar or not? Now, we know in those days, this was a very hot issue. The Pharisees said, no way. We are sons of Abraham. This is Abraham's land. We should not be paying taxes to a human monarchy. That was their view. The Herodians, on the other hand, had a much different opinion. They were followers of Herod, who was the ruler in the land. And they thought it was right. They thought it was good to pay taxes. After all, there was the Roman peace, the Roman protection, the Roman rule, the Roman roads. I mean, they saw this in totally two different aspects. And so you look at this and kind of on the surface, it looks pretty good. A lot of good compliments, a real good question, right? But when you look a little deeper, you find that it's not real good. As a matter of fact, it's real bad. As a matter of fact, it's wicked. It's wicked what they're doing to the Lord Jesus Christ. If you dig a little bit beneath the surface, you'll notice that these words right here, they were spoken by these guys, were not words of sincerity. As a matter of fact, look what it says in verse 15. It says, they plotted how they might entangle him in his talk. You know, they knew it was a difficult question. And if Jesus simply said, hey, pay the taxes without an explanation, then the calmest Jewish man, he would ostracize himself from Jesus. They knew the Abrahamic covenant, and therefore they would not understand if Jesus simply said, pay the taxes without an explanation. But if his answer was, hey, don't pay taxes, there were the Herodians ready to arrest him. And you look at this, and I don't know if you guys ever do this, I don't know if you've ever experienced this, but man, it's really, really an ugly part of human nature. You know how some people, when they talk to you, or some people, even in their search for the Lord, their words really aren't sincere. You know, I'm glad that I'm not that smart, man. 
You know, I can't really look at my conversations as a chess game. I really can't. Well, if I ask this and they say that, or if I say this, they'll take it like that. You know what? I, I'm just not smart enough to, to do that. Some people are. They're very manipulative in their words. They're very manipulative in their conversations. They're not simple enough. They're not sincere enough for God to move in their life. They're always thinking, you know, two steps ahead. You know, yesterday we went to the Almonte Boys and Girls Club. One of the privileges I had, one of the honors I had really was to hang out with a guy who had just got out of prison a couple months earlier who served 18 years in prison. And let me tell you something, man. It was a pleasure to speak with him, to share my sandwich with him, to talk with him, you know, for the good part of the time that I was there. Why is that? Because as I was talking to this guy, one of the things I could see in him is this guy was sincere. He was real. He was honest. He was open. He was transparent. And, you know, that's, isn't that really what we're looking for, you guys? I mean, isn't it crazy sometimes you hang out with people, you talk with people, you have dinner with people, whatever it is, and you just know their wheels are spinning. They're not simple enough. They're not sincere enough. I would rather hang out with a guy who's in prison or out of prison or someone who's homeless, people that we were able to talk to yesterday than anyone else who has you know, their wheels spinning and their agenda going. I, I just think that that's the way I am. I think that's the way you are. And I know that's the way... God is. You know, he's not looking for perfection. He's looking for sincerity. And here we see these guys right here, they've had none of that. You know, before we move on to Jesus' answer here, I just want to ask you guys, ask myself to stop and search our own hearts. You know, God, do I come to you sincerely? Am I here today sincerely seeking the Lord? Am I here today sincerely and it's time to sing, it's time to worship God? Am I here today when my Bible's open, my heart's open, asking God to speak to me? Or is there another reason I'm here? Some guys go to church because they want to get a girlfriend. Some girls go because they want to get a boyfriend. Some people come to church, and please don't take this personally, but I need to say this, to get money to help themselves with benevolence. I mean, there are a lot of weird reasons why people come to church service. Some people come just because they want to take care of their religious habit that week, make themselves not feel guilty. It's really a selfish motive. But that's not why we should be here. We are here uh, not for man. We are here for God. And unfortunately, I think that a lot of times people are not sincere. Sincerity is such a huge issue. Joshua said in Joshua 24, verse 14, before that great verse that everyone quotes, he said this, Now therefore fear the Lord, serve Him in sincerity and in truth. You see, that's the way we're supposed to serve, in sincerity and genuineness. Later, Paul would write to the Ephesians in the very end of that wonderful letter, an awesome letter, one of my favorite letters in all the Bible. He says there in Ephesians 6, verse 24, Grace be with all those who love our Lord Jesus Christ in sincerity. Amen. You see, we need to know that God can see through all the things that sometimes, uh, you know, we try to pull. We're sheep. Yeah, we try to pull the wool over his eyes. It's not going to work. God really wants us to be honest and open, genuine, earnest, 
and seeking the Lord with all our heart. Not like these guys. Not like the Pharisees and their disciples and the Herodians. I mean, when you look at the history and the culture of the day, normally these guys hated each other. You know, but their common hatred for Jesus now bonded them together, viewing him as a threat to their little kingdoms. And it brought them against the Lord. You know, one of the bummers about this is that these guys were the religious leaders. They were the pastors. They were the overseers. They were the ones, I don't know, I guess you could say in that type of limelight. They were the leaders there spiritually. They knew so much. But here's the tragedy. They were so close. And yet they were so far. They were so close and yet they didn't make it into the kingdom of God. Why? Because there wasn't that sincerity of heart. I mean, you know, one of the things the Lord's really teaching me in my life is that this is not a religion. And I know you've heard that a thousand times. But I wonder if really we're living that out loud, you guys. You know, um, a lot of times I think what happens in the church is you get a lot of rules, a lot of regulations. And sometimes even the church leaders or whoever it is, whatever the spiritual authority is in your life, They'll put heavy burdens on you. And they'll tell you that if you obey these rules and regulations, that you will be spiritual. And they just put heavy burdens like you're carrying this refrigerator on your back and you're trying to be a Christian. But that's not what this really is. The Lord was upset. We shared this on Thursday with the religious leaders. And that's why he said, To the people, he said, listen, there's something different going on here. This is not about you being a Christian and being in bondage and heavy burdens laid on you. Do you feel that way? Do you ever feel that way in your Christianity? This is just a bunch of rules and regulations and you feel like you can't do it. And I know you can't do it. We can't do it. And when you don't perform well, you just feel so awful. And then the enemy uses that to just you know, push you farther from God. It's just a big cycle of chaos. That's not what this is. You know, Jesus said, come to me, all you who are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me. For my yoke is easy, my burden is light. I'm gentle, I'm lowly in heart. You'll find rest for your soul. You see, yeah, Christianity, there is a, a little burden to bear, but it's not heavy. It's like, you know, you know, not like carrying this 100-pound bag of pinto beans or something or carrying a refrigerator on your back. Some of you feel that way in your Christianity and you have no joy. No, it's, yeah, you carry yeah, here with something like this. That's not too heavy. <laughs> I think I can handle that, Lord. Thank you so much. There is a burden, but it's not real heavy. There is a yoke that we're carrying. We're linked up, though, to who? To Jesus. You want to know something about Jesus? Says there in Matthew 11 that he's gentle and he's lowly in heart. He will not beat you up. He will not beat you up. He loves us. He really does. He'll deal with us, he'll convict us, he'll discipline us. But he will do it in a spirit of gentleness, meekness. Here we see these religious leaders, man. They, they didn't make it in. They were so close and yet they were so far. 
Why? Because they were not sincere. And so they came to Jesus with this question right here. And you know, it was a tough question. In those days, taxes, uh, I mean, that's not an issue today, right? I mean, taxes, no big deal, right? I mean, who knows? Our next president might be, you know, elected based on taxes. It's always been a big issue. It still is. You know, in those days, there were three types of taxes that were regular in the Roman Empire. First of all, there was the grounds tax. And so a man must pay to the government in those days one-tenth of his grain, one-fifth of his wine and oil. That was the ground tax. And there was also the income tax. The income tax of those days was 1%. Not too bad, huh? And here we are, man, we're complaining. And there was the poll tax. This tax is what Jesus is speaking of here. This is what these guys are speaking of here. This tax had to be paid by every male person from the age of 14, think about that, to 75. Or if you're a girl, from 12, think about that, to 65. And so here we see that they were charged a denarius for taxes in those days, and that was about a day's wages and so they come to the lord they ask him the question and notice again if you would read with me again jesus response he says there in verse 18 why do you test me you hypocrites you actors show me the tax money and so they brought him a denarius and he said to them whose image and inscription is this and they said this is caesar's and so he said to them here it is render therefore to caesar the things that are caesar's and to god the things that are God's. Jesus here uh, just sees right through everything. He sees that they're hypocrites. He sees that they're actors. And Jesus sees today we need to be real. But as they're there, Jesus really has this a brilliant answer. He asks them to give him a denarius, probably because he didn't have one of his own. And as they look at the denarius, he probably lifts it up and he shows it to them probably. And he says, who's... A picture is on this. Whose image is here? Whose name is on this coin? And they knew the answer. They would all know the answer, just like we all know who's on the quarter or the dollar, whatever it might be. Well, you guys know that, right? Okay. (laughs) Tiberius Caesar. It's Caesar's image. And whose name? It's Caesar's name. And so the Lord says, and this is perfect, flawless wisdom and logic, then render to Caesar the things that are Caesar's but render to God the things that are God's. Jesus said the answer is found in the origin. The answer is found in the image and the likeness of the nature of things. You know, money, more or less, even today, I don't know if you know this, it really is the property of the government. It really belongs to Caesar. And the Lord acknowledges that, and we need to acknowledge that. There is the submission to the government. We read that in Romans 13 and 2 Peter as well. But understand, I love this whole thing. The Lord turns it around, and He takes this opportunity, this testing, as a privilege now to teach them and to teach us. And here's where I want to just camp out for most of our study today. You know, render to Caesar the things that are Caesar's. That's cool. So you guys got to pay your taxes, okay? (laughs) That's the Lord's teaching. But here's what he says. Render to God the things that are God's. The money belongs to man, but man belongs to God. And that's so important for us to know. You know, if I was to lift you up and look into your soul, if I could just take these spiritual you know, x-ray of you and who you really are and whose 
image is on you and whose likeness is in you and whose name is inscripted on your heart. You, you know what we would see, huh? We know that we would see that we are created in the image of God. As a matter of fact, we read that in the Bible way back in the book of Genesis. If you want to turn there with me in Genesis chapter 1. And look what it says in Genesis 1 and verse 26. It says, Then God said, Let us make man in our image according to our likeness. Let them have dominion over the fish of the sea, over the birds of the air, and over the cattle, over all the earth, over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. And so God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him male and female. Please understand, you guys, that we are created in the image of God. We are social beings. We are rational beings. We are spiritual beings. We have uh, the ability to, and the capacity to have a relationship with each other and a relationship with God. We were created, unlike the animals, in the image of God. Now, nowadays, that's a big issue, isn't it? It really is. Nowadays, you go to school, the kids are taught in college and every other form of education that they are just animals. We are just a product of random chance of the evolutionary theories and you know you you take that to really the heart of what it means and what you find is that man you know what we in believing something as foolish as that are going to hurt the whole purpose of our creation you know you think you're an animal guess what you're going to act like an animal i know sometimes i already do that you know (laughs) You know, I eat like crazy and I'm like, what's wrong with me? Or, you know, just whatever it is, you get angry like uh, an ape or <laughs> a lion. I mean, you know, it's just crazy the things that we do, the foolishness that we do. I mean, we, sometimes we're just instincts, things happen, reactions. Like, you know, my dog, people go out there and they have sex with whoever, like dogs do. They're just animals sometimes, you know. They have found themselves sinking to that level. Why? Because they've been taught that. Oh, you can't control yourself. Here's a condom. I'll give it to you on prom night. What happens? We forgot that we were created in the image of God. We forgot that we are created rational beings, social beings, and most of all, spiritual beings. And I mentioned on Thursday night, I've never seen my dog Chip pray before he eats. Never. (laughs) Because he's a dog, right? (laughs) And so he just... He just digs in. And if you try to come near him while he's eating, guess what? He'll growl at you. He might even bite your hand. Why? Because he's just an animal. But we're not, you guys. We are created in the image of God. Not only does that, you know, just tell us how we're supposed to behave, but more importantly, it just really tells us who we are. That we are created in the image of God. And we need to make sure that we understand that. We need to make sure who we belong to, whose image and inscription is on it. Oh, Caesar's. Okay, give to Caesar the things that are Caesar's. Whose image and inscription is on you? You open up your heart, you look inside your soul, and you'll see God's image. You'll see God's name on you. And that's why we need to make sure that we render to God what belongs to Him. You know the Greek word for render, aptuo, it means to give back. 
You know, a lot of times what happens is we just, we, we just forgot. We have been created, therefore we're His. We have been bought, therefore we're His. We go and we do our own thing. And God is saying, hey, come back to me. I belong, you know, to God. We need to know that. The other day it was kind of cool. You know, my uh, wife and my kids, I guess they were home. And one of the dogs uh, wandered into the backyard. It happens all the time at our house because we don't have really a good wall in the side of the backyard. And so, you know, they found this dog. And uh, I guess Ariel really liked this dog. If I'm not mistaken, I'll have to ask Shelly afterwards. I think it was a beagle or something. Really cool, cool dog. And, you know, deep down inside, they wanted to keep this dog. They really did. And so they put him in. We have this fenced area. and put him in there. But they knew they couldn't. And so what did they do? Well, they... Uh, Shelly had Ariel <laughs> go and look at the tags of the dog. Okay, who do you belong to? Okay. And so they got the phone number. They called the owner. He came. They came, picked up the dog. Dog returned to owner. <laughs> there was another time I remember where a little cute chihuahua named Tiffany, um, we found out afterwards, <laughs> wandered into uh, the neighborhood. We thought it was lost, picked it up. And this time, we kept the dog for a few days. We thought, cool, we got a free chihuahua. Because <laughs> this dog didn't have any tags. And so, you know, it was kind of funny, man. We had the dog for a while. And then one day, we get a knock at the door. It was our next-door neighbor. <laughs> she said, you have my dog. <laughs> the owner came looking for her property. And I believe that God in our life, you know, he'll come. You know, if we don't look at the tags, if we don't realize, okay, this is the truth, and God's going to deal with us, he's going to come looking for you. But he really wants us to know that you belong to him. We read it even later in Genesis 5, verse 1, created in his image. It says in Genesis 5, verse 1, the book of the genealogy of Adam, in the day that God created man, he made him in the likeness of God. And so this is just a fact. It doesn't matter whether... You know, you have realized this or, or even really if you believe it or not. This is just a truth that you belong to God. We are created in His image. We are created in His likeness. As a matter of fact, James 3.9, it says the same thing. With our tongues, we bless God and Father. And with it, unfortunately, we curse men who the Bible says right there have been made in the similitude or the likeness of God. And so what does the Lord Jesus Christ say in light of that truth, in light of the fact that on your heart and your soul is the image of God and the name of God? What does the Lord say? Well, back in Matthew chapter 22, he says, Render to God the things that are God's. So how can we do this, you guys? How can we render to God the things that are God's? How can I give God my body? Well, let me share with you a couple of things. Number one, sanctification sanctification for that let's turn over to romans chapter 12 romans chapter 12 now sanctification in this sense what i'm sharing with you guys at this point is just being set apart in holiness being set apart in holiness you know we shouldn't act like animals we shouldn't act like owners of ourselves we should yield to the truth that we belong to god you know, lately, it's been uh, kind of an interesting life for me. I bet you for you too. How many of you here are busy in life, just out of curiosity? Isn't there so many things going on? It's just crazy, huh? 
And I've been trying to, you know, look ahead and think ahead and wondering, okay, what am I going to do, you know, next week or whatever it might be. You know, and Shelly and I will try to coincide our schedules and things like that. But you know what? What I've pretty much come to at this point anyways is I've got to live life like day by day. You going to the Harvest Crusade today? I don't know yet. Well, wake up in the morning and ask God, why? Because it's not my life. If He wants me to go, it doesn't matter if I don't want to go. I do what He wants me to do. I don't just do what I want to do. Why? Because I belong to Him. That's how all of life should be. Why? Because we belong to Him. We are bondservants of God. And here in Romans chapter 12, uh, Paul just kind of, you know, takes that logic and he brings it into practical application. And he says in Romans 12, verse 1, I beseech you, therefore, brethren, I beg you, he says, just please hear my cry, my request. By the mercies of God, here it is, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable to God, which is your reasonable service. And do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. You know, we belong to God, therefore we need to render to God, to give back to God, to present to God our bodies as living sacrifices. You know, that we would be, it says right there in verse 1, holy. That's our reasonable service. That's the logic. That's the whole logic of the Lord right now. That's what he's saying, the whole thing. You're made in God's image. You have God's name on you. Then you belong to God. Give yourself back to God. Give God your body. Don't walk in sin. We have no right to sin. Now, we do fail, unfortunately. But man, that is not our heart. That is not our goal. Unfortunately, I've seen people, some people, they go into sin with eyes wide open. They know what they're doing. They know they're doing it wrong. They're Christians. And they do it anyways. That is a dangerous place. Very dangerous. Presumptuous sins. There was no sacrifice for it in the Old Testament. Thank God there is now. The blood of Jesus does cover all our sins. But since we belong to Him, we should never ever go into sin with eyes wide open. Never. We need to present our bodies. Present your tongue to the Lord and make sure that all the words that come out are true. All the words that come out are edifying. Don't put people down. Don't gossip or slander or lie. Give God your tongue. Give God your eyes. Give Him these eyes right here and you know, look at things that are pure and lovely and of good report and noble and virtuous. Don't look at things that are pornographic or slimy or sinful or covetous. Don't look at things with these eyes. Give God your eyes. Give God your lips. Give God your hands. The things that you touch, the things that you do with these hands, that they are things that are holy. And you have sanctified your hands for the Lord. You give God your feet. You give God your heart. You give God your arms. You give God your days. You give God your time. Everything, all that you are from head to toe, you give it to God. And you live for Him. You know, how are we going to do that? Well, verse 2 talks about not being transformed. I mean, not being conformed to this world. The world wants to fit you into this mold. And they'll tell you how to dress. They'll tell you what movies to watch. They'll tell you what music to listen to. 
They'll tell you all the things that they want to tell you. And so many people, even the church, they're just followers. They're being conformed to this world. They're being fit into that mold. So I always try to tell my daughter, my kids, don't follow the world. Don't be followers. But what does the Bible say? Rather than being conformed to this world, man, be transformed. How? By the renewing of your mind. As you read the Bible and you understand what God expects of you, what God desires of you, then you go out and you live it. And as you begin to live and as you begin to obey, guess what's going to happen? You may not feel it at first. You know, at first it may be a struggle. You want me to stay sexually pure? Yeah, stay sexually pure until you get married. When you get married, then you can just be blessed by the Lord. But stay, wait until you're married, right? And you may not feel like it. Why? Because there is that fallen nature that wants to do its own thing. But here we are today, we discover, I don't belong to myself, I belong to God. And therefore, you do what's right, you stay pure, you wait on the Lord. And then, you know, a lot of times happens is your feelings follow by faith. But you've got to fight against this flesh. And the Bible says, you're transfigured, you're changed from the inside out. See, that's what ends up happening. I, I just encourage you, as you render to God the things that are God's, your body, your soul, your life, all that you are, number one, it means sanctification, holiness in this context. And number two, building on that, it means service. It means service. As a matter of fact, if you go on here in Romans 12, look what it says in verse 3. I say, through the grace given to me, to everyone who is among you, not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think, but to think soberly as God has dealt to each one a measure of faith. For as we have many members in one body, but all the members do not have the same function, so we being many are one body in Christ and individually members of one another. Having then gifts differing according to the grace that is given to us, let us use them. As you give to God your life, you give to God your body, head to toe all the days and time, as you render to God the things that are God's, one will be sanctification, walking in holiness, not sin. And number two, service. It's just serving the Lord. As He's given you gifts, as He's given you opportunities, as He's given you open doors, then you just serve the Lord like that. I mean, I have just found in my life that I don't have a day off. I don't. I don't have, and sometimes my flesh just cries out, God, give me one day. But I don't have that. I mean, He gives me vacations from time to time, but only according to His will. But if it's not a vacation day, if it's not a week, you know, that I can go and do all those things, all I know is that sometimes my flesh says, God, I just want to do my own thing. And God says, not now. Because I belong to Him. It's consumed my life. And I thank God for it. You know what? Sometimes you don't feel like it. But then you go, and like yesterday, I had the privilege of sharing my sandwich with a homeless lady, and then with this guy over here just out of prison, and just talking to all the different kids that were there. Beautiful, beautiful little children. I didn't really want to go at first. I said, God, I got to study. God, I got to, you know, pray. God, I got to do all these other things, you know, make flyers or whatever it is. And God said, I want you to go. And it's just all part of 
rendering to God the things that are God's. And we give him and we understand our life. We become bondservants. We no longer have our own rights to do our own thing. I mean, I would like to go have some, you know, and I do sometimes, just gel time, you know, just gel out, man. Get some Doritos or something and kick back and, and just uh, and sleep and nap or whatever. And if you're doing those things, you know, that's okay. Shame on you, but that's okay. No, I'm just joking, you know. It's between you and the Lord, you know. There are sometimes, Warren Wiersbe said, taking a nap is the most spiritual thing you can do. But sometimes it's not. And all I'm saying, you guys, is that as we look at our study today and we render to Caesar the things that are Caesar's, let's not miss out what God wants us to do and so much more important. That is rendering to God the things that are God's. We do that by giving him our body, by giving him from head to toe all that we are, all our time, all the days that we have. Sanctification, service, or you might want to put it this way, morality and ministry. We are his body. We are his body. He's the head. He tells us what to do. We are his. Why? Number one, he created us. We read that in Genesis chapter 1, verse 26. Genesis chapter 5, verse one, we also are His. Why? Because He bought us. Creation, cross. You and I are not our own. We've been bought at a price. That's what the Bible says. First Corinthians six nineteen through 20. Don't you know that your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit who is in you, whom you have from God and you are not your own? For you were bought at a price. Therefore glorify God in your body and in your spirit, which are God's. See, that's what we have to do, you guys. And I know sometimes it gets tough. I know sometimes life gets crazy. But God is so good and he will bless you. And as you begin to obey him more and more in life, he will just begin to change your heart. He'll bless your life. He'll give you even one day the desires of your heart. But we need to understand who we really belong to. As I was reading this study right here and just, um, I don't know, just meditating on this. I hope I don't make anybody stumble by saying this. But if I do, remember this. I'm just a man. You guys don't follow me, right? You follow the Lord, right? I think I might get a tattoo right here on my heart. <laughs> it says, I belong to God. I don't know. I'm thinking. I'm praying. Every day I look in the mirror. No one else will see it but me and my wife, maybe, you know. But I belong to God. Because you know what? That's really something that I need to be reminded of every single day of my life. I think that we need to know, you guys, it's not our own life. You know, someone, maybe today you're looking at the tags, not that you're dogs, and you're saying, okay, belong to God. God, though, is looking for you today. He really wants to do a great work in our life. And now looking at our study today, let me share with you just a couple of things. Number one, sincerity. Sincerity. You know, yesterday when we went down to the Harvest Crusade and we were following up on people that had gone forward to accept the Lord, you know, we ended up last night in the nosebleed seats. We were way up there, man. My nose was bleeding. No, I'm just joking. And then we came, by the time we came down, you know, people were accepting the Lord and it was a holy moment. You know, Pastor Greg Laurie gave the invitation and, um, you know, people make that decision to go forward. Now, I believe that was a very holy moment. 
But then when you're going down the, oh man, all these, you're walking all over the place, it doesn't feel very holy. I'm just to be honest with you. When you're way up there, you got to travel like two miles just to get down onto the field, right? And so you're down, you're just walking down with all these people and they're talking about, you know, whatever it is they're talking about. And, but by the time you get back onto the field though, all of a sudden you just sense the presence of God again. All of a sudden you start looking around and you realize the Lord really is doing a work right here. And like I shared with you guys earlier, man, people are weeping, people are sincere, people are hugging and squeezing each other and rejoicing over what God does. And then what ends up happening is I see the sincerity. That's all I was looking for. That's all I was looking for. God, give me someone who's really sincere about giving their life to you. That's the one I want to talk to, Lord. And as I did, and as I was just so blessed and talking to these guys, sincere, you know, Michael, 17, Han, 17, these three people over here, they're older people, sincere, saying to me, I've never experienced anything like this before. It was so cool because as they were sincere, I was sincere. And I was like, praise God, you just made the most wonderful decision you could ever make. And I am so excited for you. Do you realize what has just happened? And then we just begin to share with them and to follow up with them. See, it's a sincerity that works both ways. And I just pray that we would have that as well. The sincerity is so important. Don't play games with God. Let's be real. And then there's the responsibility here. Render to Caesar the things that are Caesar's, but you render to God the things that are God's. And as you know this responsibility today, I pray you and I, we would respond in that responsibility. You know, it's been said that the Christian life is really just a series of new beginnings. It's been said that the Christian life every day is like a decision to rededicate your life to God. And I just pray that even today we would do that. You guys have heard it said two things are certain in life, right? What are they? Death and taxes. Death and taxes okay. <laughs> taxes, we've already paid our share, right? One day we're all going to die. When you die, do you know where you will be? Where you will spend eternity? I pray that today, if you don't know for sure, that you would give your life to Jesus Christ. Please understand that sin has separated you from God. The Bible says all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. You have sinned. Maybe you're a good person. Yeah, maybe you're better than the guy that I talked to yesterday who served 18 years in prison, but you're still a sinner. And that sin has separated you from God. But God, not wanting to leave you in that condition, sent a Savior, Jesus Christ, and He died for your sins. And if you're willing today to turn from your sins and to receive Christ as your Lord and Savior, then according to the Bible, He will write your name in the book of life. According to these scriptures, when you die, and it could be any time, you will live forever and ever in heaven. But it's a decision that you have to make. We all have to make. I pray that today, if you have not yet made that decision, that today you will decide to follow Jesus Christ. Let's pray. Father, we thank you so much, Lord, for allowing us to be here today. Lord, what a blessing it is, Lord, just to have you as our Savior and Lord. And Father, I just pray that you continue to work in our life and 
We just rejoice, Lord, over the things that you are doing, Lord. And I pray, Lord, if there's anyone here who doesn't know you, Lord, that today you would speak to their hearts. And Lord, that today you would save souls. We love you so much, Lord. We rejoice in the work that you're doing. And Lord, we pray that you would continue, Lord, to work in all of our lives, Christians that are here today, Lord. I pray that we would live a life of sincerity, knowing our responsibility, Lord, to render to Caesar the things that are Caesar's, fine, but more importantly, God, to render to you our bodies, our life, all that we are. We love you so much. We pray together, Lord, today. In Jesus' name, amen.